Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Uh, Unless you've been living in a cave somewhere, the name Eric Metaxas is probably pretty familiar to you. New York Times best-selling author, syndicated talk show host across the country. If you watch news at all, one time or another, you've seen Eric Metaxas being a commentator on those programs. And he is the author of a brand new book, Letter to the American Church. And it's my privilege to welcome to the program Eric Metaxas. Eric, welcome back. Well, thank you so much. uh, I'm honored to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it is my privilege. And uh, I want to talk about your brand new book, Letter to the American Church. Uh, Eric, how, how many books have you written? Well, it depends. Uh, how you count. I've written 14 books, but I've also written 30 children's books over the years. Uh, That's not quite the same thing. Uh, I've written at least one humor book. So, but this is my 14th regular, you know, regular book. It's one of the shortest ones that I've written. It may be the shortest one I've written, but that's only because my other books are very long. Well, and I must say, your book on Bonhoeffer has become the classic on Bonhoeffer's life, uh, and I, I congratulate you on that. Uh, I, the question, my first question, always to any author, is, what was the genesis of this book? Writing a book is hard, hard work. I've only written one, and it's tough. Uh, so I always want to know, what prompted you to write Letter to the American Church? Well, this is this is a question where I can, without any exaggeration or hyperbole, uh, I can say bluntly, I am convinced God led me to write this book. I got some ideas in my mind about what I write in this book, and I felt this burning passion that I, I have to write this, and I will— uh, I'll make it very short, and maybe I'll just self-publish it because I just need to get the message out to the American church desperately. Um, and what happened weirdly was I was at the NRB convention, National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and my publisher, Salem, said, well, we've got some ideas about books you want to write that we would like you to think about writing. And I was ready to say, listen, I'm not interested. I, I, you know, and they described this book because they've heard me speak, and I said, that's bizarre, because I haven't told anyone I want to write this book, but I will take that as confirmation from God. And I, I felt, you know, when you write a book with a title, Letter to the American Church, you better have some humility. You better understand that mm-hmm. either God has something to say, or, you know, you have no business giving it a title like Letter to the American Church. But I, I feel that the, the, the nutshell version is that I feel that the American church is being silent on major cultural and political issues, and it is going to lead – it is leading to a nightmare exactly as the silence of the German church in the 1930s led to the nightmare of the Nazis and the Holocaust. At the time, people can't believe those things could ever happen. The German church and the Germans could never dream that that they could enter that kind of a nightmare. 
and it was the silence of the German church. They were somehow foolishly convinced that they should not speak out against certain things, that they had reasons to just stick to, you know, theology, to stick to the quote-unquote gospel and don't get into that stuff. And it was a dramatically tragic historical error. Bonhoeffer, of course, I wrote about Bonhoeffer, he tried to get them to speak up and to stand boldly against the evil that was coming and these things. They refused to listen. So I wrote this book, Letter to the American Church, with the idea that Bonhoeffer speaks to us today. What he said then is exactly what God is saying today to the American Church. And many people are convinced, well, I shouldn't be political, I shouldn't talk about this, shouldn't talk about that. I wrote this book to those people to say, I beg of you, consider what I say here, because I think this is what God is saying to the Church, and that our silence has been devastating and will be infinitely more devastating if we don't wake up and speak up. And so it couldn't be more dramatic and urgent than that. Eric, in the last probably 10 days, I have read at least a half dozen editorials, op-ed pieces that make the accusation that what you are saying, what you just said, is Christian nationalism, and it's the greatest threat to American democracy today. How do you respond yeah. to that? Well, it's, it's, it's pure madness. In other words, if I don't like what you're saying, I come up with a label, and I beat you over the head with this label like a club just so you'll shut up, whatever it is. Whatever you say, I say you're a racist, you're a white nationalist, you're a Christian nationalist, you're, 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 a, you're a Trump fascist. Whatever people want, whatever people need to use to say to shut you up, and it works. There are people, and I actually write about this in the book, I say that there are people and pastors and Christians who all they need is for somebody to throw a little shade their way, to say, oh, you're, you're political. All you care about is political power. And they go, oh, oh well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. And I think to myself, excuse me, William Wilberforce stood up because of his faith, stood up against the slave trade, against slavery, because of his faith. You don't say, well, why was he bringing politics and faith to bear on each other? What business did he have? In his day, that's what they said. They wanted him to shut his mouth. They said, you're being just political, and you're just being religious, and you have no business mixing the two. That's exactly what they said to Bonhoeffer. They said to him, listen, why are you, why are you daring to, to poke your nose in these issues of, 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 of the government and whatever? Romans 13, you have no business there. These misunderstandings are exactly what I deal with in the book, because there is nothing— Nothing more tragic than our silence on these issues and the forces that want to throw names around. Listen, we're supposed to believe Jesus defeated death. If you're a Christian, you should have no fear for your life, for anything. Your only fear should be not doing what God calls you to do, because people's lives depend on us doing uh, and speaking the truth and doing what we're supposed to do. And the idea that we live in a culture so ridiculous that people calling names— it suddenly becomes an argument. There's no argument when somebody says, you're a Christian nationalist. It's, it's completely meaningless. Uh, the question is only, it, does God want me to speak the truth and to be his voice for the voiceless 
there are innumerable people in this country and around the world who depend on Christians speaking the truth. And when I say the truth, I'm talking about on any issue, whether you're talking about transgender, whether you're talking about, you know, uh, vaccines, uh, election integrity. We are called to speak the truth and to be unafraid to speak the truth, even even if we're getting it wrong to say, let's discuss this. When people tell you shut up and throw a name at you, a label, that tells me they have no argument. They're deadly afraid of hearing what you have to say. They can't bear it. And so they're just going to do everything they can to shut you up, to bully you, to cancel you. It's happened to me. And if we don't have the courage to speak the truth, then I don't know what kind of Christians we could, we could call ourselves. That, that's nothing but cowardice, and we're not called to be cowards. We're called to be courageous and to speak the truth. Here's the key to this book that I wrote, Letter to the American Church. There are good people who are being silent right now. In other words, when we say that there are people being silent, we're talking about the good guys. In Germany, most of the pastors, they didn't know they're serving the devil. They didn't know they were letting Hitler take control. They just said, we don't want any trouble. We don't want anyone to cancel us. They wouldn't have used that term, but it was exactly the same thing. And so you have radio preachers. uh, You have people that are in pulpits. They, they have this idea that I'm only, quote-unquote, supposed to preach the gospel. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not what the Bible says. It's important we preach the gospel. There's nothing more important than those things. But when you say it's the only thing that you don't need to speak up on this issue well, or that issue, and, and with there's that, a time we've got to speak up. And I've got to—since you brought that up, I've got to ask the question. Most of my listeners are familiar with Tim Keller— Tell us about his third way and what your thoughts are on that. Well, I'll tell you. First of all, I love Tim Keller. And the third way is a wonderful thing. But it ceased being real probably 10 or or 15 years ago. In other words, the third way is when he, he would do this thing in every sermon, which is brilliant and right. He would say, hey, the conservative view, you know, says this, and the liberal view says this, but the gospel says this. Okay, well, the problem is we now have a left in America, and it's not only the left, but they have opened the door to things that every American should reject. When you talk about critical race theory, Mm -hmm. when you talk about transgender madness, uh, when you talk about any of these things, when you talk about the government and big pharma and big uh, tech, uh, social media, bullying people in all kinds of ways, telling them what they can say and can't say. If you do not speak about those things, you are complicit. And so that was not true 20 years ago. Uh, I used to attend a Redeemer Presbyterian and loved Tim Keller. But when evil rises in the way that it has, if you're silent, you become complicit. And to think that everything's really fine, uh, we, we, we shouldn't get involved in that, I don't want to be divisive, I don't want to be political, you think, you don't want to be political, listen, um, th- that's what people said when slavery was a thing, okay, and, and tons and tons of pastors said, hey, we don't want to be divisive, we're not going to raise uh, that issue, or we don't want to make that an issue, and you think, do you not care about the people who are suffering under this? slavery system, you don't, you don't care. 
you have found a theological out, and you can avoid talking about it. And, and a lot of pastors today feel the same way about all kinds of issues. They're not thinking about the people suffering. They're not thinking about the parents scrambling to figure out, what do I tell my kid that's getting this transgender lunacy uh, shoved down her throat, who's considering mutilating herself? This is, this is what Americans are dealing with. If the church doesn't speak into this now, maybe we didn't need to speak into it 20 years ago, or maybe we yeah. could have been more quiet about it. But this is a scandal, and there are tons of, I said, radio preachers, there are tons of, tons of good people doing all kinds of stuff, but when you avoid the one thing or the several things that God is saying you must speak on this, or the culture will lose its liberty, you'll lose the ability to preach the gospel. You're playing a game. You think that if you keep your mouth shut on these issues, they'll leave you alone on these issues. I'm here to say what happened in Germany is happening here. It is a horror. It is a nightmare. And if we, the church, do not understand why we've been silent and do not cease being silent, the price we pay will be unbelievable. And I'm telling people the Germans didn't want to believe it. They refused to believe it, and it happened to them. If we think it can't happen here— we're kidding ourselves. Eric, we got about 20 seconds. Where can our listeners find your book, Letter to the American well, Church? You can find it pretty much anywhere, but I ask everyone, please go to my website, uh, ericmetaxas.com. You'll see all kinds of options there if you can spell metaxas, ericmetaxas.com. Thank you so much, Bob. M-E-T-A-X-A-X, ericmetaxas.com. Get the book, Letter to the American Church. Eric, God bless you. God bless you too, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.